Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Oleg Edelman. He is the Senior Life Settlement Analyst at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc., and we're going to be talking today about life settlements. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Oleg. Thanks, Jordan. I really appreciate you having me on today. So let's just start with the basics of what people may not be familiar with. Just explain what a life settlement is. Uh, well, it's it's merely the uh, when when seniors generally have life insurance that they've needed over time, and they've come to a crossroad where, for whatever reason, they don't need it, they can't afford it, they don't want it. Maybe their needs have changed. So what we do is it's a highly regulated secondary market where it's our job to find, to liquidate basically the policy for the highest possible offer. Uh, we go to a um, lot of different buyers uh, that are licensed to, to buy these types of policies uh, to find the highest value of that insurance policy, which could be significantly higher than just uh, the surrender value on a policy when somebody's cashing it in. So let's go through some of the reasons why somebody want to sell their life insurance policy, which they've typically owned for many, many years. The first one is it, it it's going to be surrendered or lapsed anyway. So explain you know how that works and why it'd be better to sell it instead of letting it lapse or surrendering it. Well, just so you know, say yes, a lot of people get to that crossroad and decide they don't need it. They don't want it. They can't afford it. So it's something that their surrender value is basically the lowest offer or the, you know, the, the bare minimum that they could get. Some policies, like a term policy, when you cash it in or you drop it, you get absolutely nothing. So there's uh, on these policies, some of them have uh, significant intrinsic value because the policy has been in force for many, many years and, uh, and, and uh, you know, money's been put into it over time, even a term policy. So it's something that based upon the change in, in, in the person's health, uh, the, you know, the, they're older now, uh, even if they're healthy, they still could qualify, but it's something that that value could be slightly more or significantly more. Um, you know, but until they do the review, they're, if they just by cashing it in, uh, they're taking zero or, or their bare minimum offer, and a lot of our offers are significantly higher um, in the secondary market. What, what is the life insurance company's reaction to people selling a life insurance policy in the life settlement market? Um, they tend to frown upon it, and, it, and it's more of a business uh, uh, reason for them because they their business model has been built over years of most people dropping that policy before that policy ever, you know, the, before the death benefit. So um, I, I, usually it's about 80% of, of people drop their policies and, and get that low surrender value or, or nothing uh, before the end. And actually on the term policies, that, that number is closer to 95% that, that is dropped. So the insurance companies, that's their business model insurance policy when they're younger, healthier, and those people keep it for 10, 20, 30 years. And generally when people get into their 60s and 70s, the cost of that policy is significantly higher. So that's when the policies tend to be dropped at, at a very high rate. So they prefer that person buying the policy, keeping it for many, many years and paying those premiums, and then dropping that policy way before you know death benefit is paid and collecting all those premiums and, and having to really give up nothing. When we step in, that death benefit stays on the books for them. And, it, and you know, 10, 20, 30 years later, they're still on the hook for that million dollars or whatever the death benefit the policy is. So it's something that for pure economical reasons, you know, that's their business model. They don't like it. Um, but it, it's like I, I've mentioned a few times, it's highly regulated. Uh, by Department of Insurance, so it's really all you're allowing people to do is get a higher amount for their policy as opposed to dropping it. It's, it's kind of like somebody having a house and being forced to foreclose it as opposed to just turn around and sell it because it's it's worth something in, in the market. Yeah. 
I mean, some insurance agents may actively discourage and say it's illegal or something to sell your policy. I mean, they go pretty far in trying to discourage you from selling it. What are some of the tactics they use to discourage people from selling their policies? Well, the insurance companies, uh, there's been a lot of misinformation put out there um, over the years. That, that, that There was more of that years ago. There, there's tending to be less and less now because of, of all the regulations that are involved. By, by really discouraging their clients, they're really uh, potentially costing their, you know, their agents' relationships and their clients you know, with those policies thousands, if not hundreds, and hundreds of thousands of dollars of money that is legally available to them, but um, but just because of their business model, they try to discourage their agents uh, by talking about it. Um, and and you know a lot of times the alternative, you know, that they say, well, it's something that you're taking away somebody's death benefit, or or you know, uh, but these aren't policies that we're trying to talk people into getting rid of. These are circumstances where just just like. You know, when I moved out of my house, I decided I didn't want it. So that's when I went out looking to find a buyer for my house. So this is the same situation when you, you no longer want the policy, you don't need it, you can't afford it. Um, it it's something that you might, um, this is a, a viable uh, option to, to investigate, to make sure that if there is something out there that's worth more than what you're getting, you at least are aware of it. And, and you at least have that option as opposed to, you know, closing your eyes and ears and, and you know, um, and, and getting nothing for that policy or very little. Or maybe you have a significant amount of cash value in it, but our, our, potentially our offers could be even much higher than that. And, yep. uh, you know, people leaving a lot of money on the table, um, you know. Another reason uh, to sell it is if your business situation changes. For example, if you're going to sell your business or you may have an executive benefit plan of some kind, or you retire from the business. T talk about why you'd want to sell your policy if your business situation changes. Well, yes, that's that's we see a lot of those as well. Um, you know, there are people that have insurance for their business, um, maybe like a buy-sell agreement. Um, you, you know, and, and they have insurance as part of that. So as people tend to get older and and uh, either retire from the business or sell the business, that insurance policy may no longer be needed. Same with uh, executives. Sometimes there's key man policies that the, uh, that the company will take out on key executives. So those policies, when, when uh, people retire or leave the company or, or when they sell the business, uh, those are, are no longer needed. That wasn't the intent of that policy. So if, if uh, at that point, there, that insurance coverage is no longer needed, no brainer to just have it investigated to see, uh, is there something more out there for me as opposed to just dropping it and getting usually nothing or very little. So what counts is who the beneficiary of the policy. Say a company takes out a key man policy on somebody, uh, it might be owned by the company, is that right? I mean, who would actually get the benefit? Well, it, it, it's something that uh, the owner of the policy would be able to uh, get uh, whatever proceeds, uh, but it, it's something that if when the when the key man person is retiring, a lot of times what the company will do is is uh, offer that to the retiring executive uh, as part of maybe their exit package or, or retirement package. So it, it's uh, but the the proceeds are always going to go to whoever owns the policy. Um, if the company owns the policy and, and one of their uh, employees is, is retiring or leaving, obviously we need the cooperation of everybody involved, the owner, the insured, um, and, and eventually you know, uh, the beneficiaries are well, as well. Everybody signs off on the transaction. There's yes. no you know, hiding anything. Everything is fully transparent. It's something that we go above and beyond to make sure there are no surprises we don't want uh, somebody, uh, you know, calling us or, you know, nobody wants to deal with a family member or anybody down the road saying, you know, I wasn't made aware of this. Uh, it's something that everything is, is, is done throughout the process to make sure that everybody's aware. And usually that's brought up to the family anyway. You know, if, if, if the policy is needed and wanted, a lot of times the people will 
bring it up to the, their kids. Hey, do you want to take over these premiums? You know, this money is going to you potentially. Do you want to pay that cost? And, and it's something if, if they want to hold on to it and somebody else that is investigated. But uh, because these policies get so expensive as people get into their 60s and 70s and, and older, um, you know, it's usually a pretty quick no. And then we go on with our, our review because, uh, you know, those policies, uh, you know, the, the reason is, is no longer there for that coverage. The beneficiaries always have to sign off on it that they're giving up this policy. Correct. That's that's part of the contract um, that they would have to sign off. They would be made aware. And, and at the end of the transaction, you know, when the ownership is being changed at the insurance company, so, so is the beneficiary and the beneficiary is signing to release that uh, as well. And they're willing to do that, say, kids from parents, because uh, they realize the parents the premium worth them to have the cash, so not, and they'll be okay on their own. Is that why beneficiaries would sign up on this? Absolutely. It, it, it's not like something. So the alternative, if we're not involved and there is no sale, those situations are are, are situations where these policies are being lapsed and surrendered anyway, uh, essentially being dropped. And, and so that death benefit would no longer be there in that circumstance as well. So with us being able to sell it, it's just that they're able to to tie up that policy when, when they get out of it. And it's instead of getting whatever they were going to get from the insurance company, they're getting something substantially more. So, it, it, you know, they're usually very happy that at least they're getting something out of it or getting some of their money uh, back as opposed to, you know, getting nothing or very, very little. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Oleg Edelman. He's a senior life settlement analyst at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc., which helps people sell their life insurance policies for cash in life settlements. You can find out more at their website, fundinglife.com. We'll be back after this. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the Internet. It's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Oleg Edelman. He is the Senior Life Settlement Analyst at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc., which is a company that helps people sell their life insurance policies for cash, Instead of letting them lapse, you can find out more at their website, fundinglife.com. Welcome back to the show, Oleg. Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate it. Another that. reason for people going to do this is there's a change in their estate plan. So how would a change in estate plan wanting make sense for people to sell their life insurance policies? Well, it's you know a lot of people have taken out of policies to cover you know for their estate planning, and and some of the 
the laws have over time have changed. So the requirements based upon uh, the laws uh, have sometimes they pause, sometimes they, they go down a little bit, depending on uh, uh, both, uh, both, you know, the, the husband and the wife. Um, also, sometimes the estate size has changed. Right now, I'm sure there's there's some people out there that their estate uh, w- was worth uh, a lot more. Uh, and with this economy, uh, you know, maybe they don't need the same coverage for that as well. Maybe they're now below the threshold and, and don't require those policies as much. Or if a spouse that was going to be the beneficiary dies before the insured person, and that may be another reason why the policy is not needed anymore. Correct. Uh, you know, sometimes the policy is intended for for somebody, for the spouse, or and sometimes there's a premature death, or or maybe a divorce, or, or change in the circumstance, and it's something where yes, that that policy uh, coverage uh, might no longer be needed. Um, so it's uh, you know instead of paying for that policy um, more and more for the years, uh, it's something that sometimes just uh, you know kind of. Uh, uh, taking that extra strategy and, and cutting the loss is basically is, is a better idea. Yeah. So let's talk about the different types of life insurance policies that can be sold in the life settlement market. It's both cash value policies and terms. Is that correct? That, that is correct. And, and, and it, most people just aren't aware that those – the term policies actually are, are as easy as it gets for our market. Uh, we can work with any type of policy, a term policy, universal life, whole life, second and die policy, uh, even a group policy. But for, for let me uh, expand a little on the term policies. Like I said, those are about as easy as it gets, and most people assume that those are worthless. The term policies do not build up any cash value, and, and it's something that usually they're, um, you know, the term meaning a certain amount of years until that policy starts to skyrocket. So if somebody has a five or 10 or 20 years term, they think at the end of that, it expires and just goes away. Um, our market, really, if, if we can catch that policy before the term conversion period ends, uh, it's, 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 it's very valuable. Um, and, and our parameters are actually broader for those policies than with the other policies. So generally, it's people in their mid to high 60s and older if they're healthy. Um, with term policies, we can even look at people in their mid to low 60s if they're healthy. Now, if, if for any of these policies, if, if somebody's younger than that but battling serious health issues, uh, depending on those health issues, they could qualify really at any age. But as far as um, term policies, most people aren't aware that they have a conversion deadline. That means that at a certain point, their policy goes from that whatever they've been paying every year, that low rate, and it's going to skyrocket, and then it skyrockets again and again, and becomes almost unaffordable for many people. It's kind of like one of those short-term mortgages that people used to take many years ago, where if, if you miss that date, it, 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 you really can't get rid of it quickly enough. And when that deadline passes, it, it goes from as easy as it gets in our market to as difficult because of the, the increasing um, rate, the cost of that policy is going to be substantially uh, higher each and every year. So if people are aware that they have a term policy and they're aware, okay, the conversion deadline's coming up in six months or in a year or whatever, uh, if they can you know, contact us preferably four to six months before that conversion deadline, it's something that we'll have more than enough time to properly evaluate that policy, do all our work on our end, and to determine the true high value of that policy before that deadline hits. If we catch it before... Um, we would have, you know, a ton of very active, very aggressive buyers uh, bidding for that policy once it passes that date, uh, because of the, uh, the the cost is substantially higher. Uh, it, it becomes almost impossible for us. Um, Universal life converted, would be converted into um, a cash value policy by the original owner, or or could it be converted after the ownership has changed and after the policy has been sold. So we, we prefer to get them as the term, and what we would do is get the conversion illustrations from the insurance company to go to the market. The conversion illustration is going to show us, if it's converted, what it's going to look like. So that, And we get the offers based upon the, the conversion rates. Uh, usually the conversion is done at the same time as the sale, 
And, and um, usually also we, we have the buyers pick up any costs incurred in that conversion process. So it's not even going to be an out-of-pocket situation in yep. most uh, cases for that client. If it happened to be an out-of-pocket situation, it would be minimal, and all of that conversion premium would be reimbursed at, at the point of sale as well. So it's not like they're out-of-pocket, out-of-pocket, but usually what we were, you know, our goal is is to, to have the cost of that, the premium, not even a dollar come out of the client's pocket, just to have it uh, paid by the buyer while the sale is at the closing portion, and then uh, and the buyer pays the rest of it after they take ownership. Uh, but it's something that it's a free evaluation. There's no uh, there, there's no obligation. If we go through this process and, and the client doesn't get an offer or whatever offer they get, they don't like or they change their mind, they don't have to proceed. They're not going to be billed. Yeah. There's nothing that's happening. And, and it's something that uh, most of the time uh, it's preferable that the term policy would be convertible to universal life product. Uh, that's, that's uh, you know, going to the next step, that's uh, where the buyers also, they like the uh, universal life policies as well. That's their second favorite. Um, and in those situations, there is cash in the policy. So our goal is to see how much more cash can we bring to the table than what the client has. And, uh, you know, obviously, if we can't beat it, there's no reason for them to sell it. And obviously, our job is to beat it by as much as possible. Yeah. Um, if, if you have an existing cash value policy, you had a whole life policy or universal life that's built up cash value over many years, and you were to cash it in, you'd get that cash value out. But you're saying selling the policy, you'd get a lot more than the cash value that's been built up. Is that correct? That That is correct. Every time that you sell a policy... Um, you're going to get more just depending on, you know, when we're doing our, our evaluation, our, our, our market, you know, we're looking at policies and every policy is, is unique and different one from the next. Also, you know, they're paying attention to the person's age and their health. So every case is a little bit unique and different. So our objective is let us do the review. And then it's, it's a free non-binding appraisal of your existing life insurance policy. So that you could see, okay, if I cash out my policy now, I get forty thousand dollars. Then let us do our work to see. Maybe we come back with fifty. Maybe we come back with a hundred. Maybe we come back with five hundred thousand. Every case is different. Sometimes it's something that, based upon you know our initial conversation, we'll be able to determine maybe what you have is already the best number, and that our market won't be able to to do better than that. But in many cases, it's something that. We could usually beat that uh, cash value and, and in many cases substantially beat that. So it, it is something that on a case-by-case -case basis, um, we'll do the evaluation. And But we would initially going in, we would have an idea uh, if, if it's worth our time, if it's something that, you know, if we think we could barely beat it, if we think we could substantially beat it. Obviously, we want to be as upfront as possible and, and make sure that people are aware uh, what they're getting into and, and any possible, you know, uh, you know, what we foresee in the beginning of what we potentially uh, would believe would happen uh, as the process draws out. There are a lot of big players. I think Coventry is one you see advertised on TV a lot. How is going to life insurance settlements different or better from going to some of the big guys like a Coventry? Correct. So, uh, there is a difference between us and Coventry. So Coventry is is one buyer. They're a good buyer. They buy a lot of our policies, but we have over 30 buyers. So if you call Coventry directly, it's something that there's no leverage. There's no you're you're, you're not you know Coventry is is getting that policy themselves and looking at it and trying to figure out okay this guy has ten thousand in cash value. Let's see if we can give him fifteen thousand or twenty thousand. So they're a direct buyer. So we deal with Coventry and we deal with about 30 other buyers just like them. So when you send it to us, we make them all compete. So it's something that Coventry might come back with 10, somebody might come back with 20, somebody might come back with 50, and, and so on. So our, our fiduciary responsibility is to the seller of the policy, not to the buyers. So it's, it's in our best interest to make sure that we go to every legitimate licensed buyer that brings any type of value to the table and let them all compete for it. 
Coventry's a great company. We've been dealing with them for many, many years, but it's something that they probably buy, you know, maybe five or so percent of our business. That means 95% of the time, one of these other buyers is either offering where Coventry can't even offer or Coventry or this other one of these other companies is offering more than, than Coventry uh, is offering. So it, it's something that if they have the best offer, great. You know, we, we love working with them, but our, our favorite buyer is the one that can offer the most for that individual policy. And it's our responsibility, our fiduciary responsibility to the client to make sure that we're looking at every other possible uh, opportunity as well to make sure that we can leverage that policy as much as possible to squeeze out every every penny for that. So what are the other kind of buyers? Are they hedge funds, individuals? What kind of buyers, just generically, are the other kinds of buyers? The, the majority of, of the buyers out there are, are very large institutional buyers buying hundreds, if not thousands, of these policies, spending hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars a year. I think our market sold about $8 billion in, uh, last year. So it's something that, for the most part, large institutional buyers uh, buying thousands of these as, as an investment opportunity. Uh, we, there is a small fraction in our market where it's kind of individual bought, but it, it's something that it's more so it's vetted through companies where somebody might be able to invest in that policy. It might be an, an individual investor, but it's something that we've already done you know, a lot of due diligence to make sure that everything is still kept on a confidential level that all the regulations are, are, are being met, uh, all the laws are, are being followed, and everything is being done in the right, in the right way. Uh, but for the most part, it's just large institutional buyers. And, and you know, it, it's something that, like I said, we're just trying to make sure that every legitimate licensed company that brings value is seeing that, uh, that information. And the more companies that we can get to, to, meet, those, uh, to meet that criteria, the more eyes on that policy, the more leverage, the more opportunity to get higher and higher and higher for that sale offer for that client. Okay, we're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Oleg Edelman. Uh, he is the Senior Life Settlement Analyst at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc. And you can find out more at his website, fundinglife.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Oleg Edelman. He is the Senior Life Settlement Analyst at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc., which is a company that buys life insurance policy and sells them into the life insurance settlement market. 
The website to find out more is fundinglife.com. Welcome back to the show, Alec. Thank you, Jordan. So let's go through the process of somebody who says, uh, say they're in their early 70s, they've got an insurance policy, and they think it's a good idea to sell it. Just go step by step through the process they would go from initial uh, call through uh, actually selling it. Okay, um, it's it's rather a simple process. We we do most of the work. It's it's, uh, but it is something that initially we always like to talk to the client, ask them a few questions. Um, their you know the insured's age, their health, um, what size policy they have, the type of policy, things like that. Based upon that short conversation, we're able to give some uh, some helpful feedback as to if we, if we think we're going to be successful, how successful, if we think we're going to barely be, you know, you know, the, their option right now or, or substantially beat it so that the proper expectations are there from the beginning so that people kind of know what to expect. Um, if, if, you know, everything goes well on, on that call, it's something that we would uh, shoot them out a, a short application um, that they could fill out, uh, you know, email it back, fax it back, uh, send it, whatever is easiest. Um, and the application would just take them, you know, maybe five or so minutes to complete. You know, it's their name, their, you know, policy information, um, you know, their doctor's names. So, uh, w- so once that comes back, you know, what we're doing here is we're going to order the medical records. Usually we go back about last five years. Uh, of, of their medical records, and, and we order a, an illustration for the policy. Basically, that's uh, the insurance company will send us uh, showing the cost of that policy going forward uh, so that uh, once we have those records and, and, and the projections of the, of the cost of the policy, we'll send it out to all of our various buyers. Um, there is no exam for the, you know, the person will never have to talk to anybody else. They'll never have to, you know, take any kind of an exam or medical or anything like that. Uh, it's it's really a, a, a very uh, uh, very little to do on their end. Um, so we'll handle all of those aspects with all of those buyers. And after the buyers have had a couple weeks to review all that information, usually that's when the bidding process will start. And we'll keep the person informed, hey, we have an offer for 20000 30000 you know, and so forth. And it's something that at the end, you know, we'll tell them, hey, it looks like the offers are, you know, topping out. And once we get to the end of that number, if they're happy and want to proceed, they don't have to proceed if they change their mind or, or you know, uh, or, or um, you know, maybe they, they uh, you know, don't like the offer that they're getting. But it is something that if they're happy, uh, we'll get them out of contract. Contracts are, are you know, basically written by the state. Uh, uh, the buyers follow the the laws and regulations of the state, and, and, and they're very consumer-friendly. Uh, so we'll get them out the contract. They'll fill out the contract. They'll get it back to us. Uh, once everything is, is done on that end, uh, ownership and beneficiary changes are submitted to the insurance company. Uh, actually, right before that, money is put in escrow by the buyer, So the, uh, and that's part of the regulations as well. Uh, once the ownership and beneficiaries are changed at the insurance company and the buyers have written confirmation, uh, they pay the seller within three business days in most states, and uh, and the client gets their money. Uh, it's the whole way through. We hold your hand. We we keep you informed of the process and what's going on. There's no surprises, and it's something that everything's fully transparent. Uh, you're seeing what the offers are. Uh, you're seeing what the counter offers are. Uh, you know, in, in the contract. So uh, it, there's no. Um, you know, they'll see each and every offer that we obtained. Uh, in many cases, most states regu- uh, require that. So it's not like th- they don't know what's going on. They'll, they'll be fully aware of the whole process from beginning to end. Let's talk about the medical part. Are they looking at the Medical Information Bureau report? And if, if their health is pretty bad, they end up getting more money than if their health was good. So it, it's we're, we're obtaining those records from their, from their physicians. Uh, you know, we ask them to let us know on the application you know, if you have a primary, if you have specialists and so forth. So our market, you know, they're looking for, this is an investment for them. Uh, so it's something that if they buy the policy today and they think the person's going to live 5, 10, 20, 30 years, you know, it's something that they're going to not only have to pay the client today, but they have to pay premiums for all those years. So if their assumption is that the person's going to pass 5 years or 10 years as opposed to 20 years, they can pay substantially more because 
they're they're assuming they're going to get their you know the death benefit in that time frame and pay that many years less of, of premium into that policy. Uh, so it, it's something that yes, it's it's basically they're trying to determine what what can they pay now plus pay the cost to keep that policy uh, you know in good standing for five, 10, 20 years or, or longer. And, and will they still get their desired rate of return uh, what on their... Longest, what, what is the longest period of time that they would uh, agree? Is it 20 years from the time of buying the policy? Or what's the longest time that they would take? So it's, it's something... Assuming tables. That, well, it, it's something that depends on the cost of their policy. So I, I know that we have sold policies that... So there's two things that I can talk about that. One is... Um, the lower the cost of that policy, the longer they could, you know, uh, they could potentially still get that re desired rate of return. So if, if somebody's premiums are really inexpensive, they, I've even seen 20, 25, 30 year, um, you know, uh, life expectancies on, on people that are still getting offers, probably not getting very much, but they're still getting something better than the alternative of just dropping it. Now, also, you know, as I mentioned, we deal with over 30 different buyers. Uh, for these policies, they all look at these a little bit different. And part of the uh, part of the reason we have all these different buyers is everybody's looking. And maybe somebody, maybe most of the buyers think the person's going to live 25, 30 years, and one buyer thinks it's going to, you know, 18. It does, you know, they're just looking at medical records. They're just interpreting those records, and it's, you know, uh, so it, it is, you know, sometimes we're getting substantially higher offers from from companies that basically their underwriting is just showing less than everybody else's and nobody knows who's right or who's wrong or whatever nobody has a crystal ball but it's something that uh that's why it's good to have all those different uh, companies doing their own evaluations because if there is um somebody you know red flagging something think being a lot more aggressive for for something it's it's only to the benefit of the client, and they're yep. going to get substantially more money. When you're older, when you're getting into your 80s, um, then I would assume the amount you're going to get is going to go up substantially uh, compared to, say, your late 60s or early 70s. Is that right? Uh, potentially, yes. That, that would make sense. But they're always looking at it today of based upon the person's age, health, and the cost of that policy. So it, it's something that it could be somebody in their 50s or 60s that is dealing with very serious health issues, and they would get a substantially uh, higher offer uh, than somebody in their 80s that maybe is in good health. Also keep in mind that as people get older and older, their cost of that policy is increasing substantially. So somebody that's still in pretty good health at 80, you know, depending on how much the the cost of that policy has increased, it, it could actually, um, you know, negatively affect. Uh, so we, we generally, yes, the older you are, uh, the more you're likely to get, but it's not, you know, it, but if the cost is substantially more and you're still in really good health, um, it, it's not always the, the case that you're going to get substantially more, but generally that's the, the yeah, the, the, the thought. So it could be paid off. I mean, say you had a policy, it was like 65 life that was paid off at age 65. There are no more premiums, and that would be worth more than the one that has premiums. Is that correct? Uh, sometimes, well, sometimes those policies have substantial cash built up. So it could be that if somebody's 65 and healthy and they have a million dollar policy and they call us, and they're telling us they have you know three or four hundred thousand dollars in cash surrender value, we might tell them, you know, that might just be your best bet just to take that amount. It might be paid up based because there's substantial cash in there, and that that amount of cash might um, might be too high based upon the person's age and health, and uh, even if, if there's no more to put into that policy, somebody you know if they have to beat that cash value to buy that you know policy, they might not want to pay five hundred thousand dollars for somebody that's still sixty five and healthy uh, that they still have to wait around you know twenty years, twenty five years before they get that million dollars, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and the same with term policies. There, you can lock it in for a particular period of time, 20-year fixed or something like that. At that point, it would jump up. 
but they're always going to want to convert that term into some kind of a uh, cash value policy or permanent policy, correct? Uh, it's, it's very likely that they would. The rare occasions, if, if the person that has that term policy is dealing with very serious health issues, uh, they might decide to take a, a risk and keep it as the term. Also, it depends on how many more years they have that policy as the term. But uh, the vast majority of the term policies uh, would be converted at the point of sale. And that's why that conversion deadline is, is vital to our process. Uh, we always try to rec you know, recommend at least four to six months before that deadline to yeah. start the process because we don't want to run out of time. Uh, it, once we run out of time, it, it, it becomes almost impossible. So do the vast majority of policies bought by institutional buyers end up paying out? I mean, the, the calculations they do work out for their benefit. Well, I, I don't know if it's their benefit. Um, I don't, you know, we don't track, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now. But it's something that you have to remember. They're buying a thousand policies this year or 2000 policies. So it's something that... You know, they're kind of becoming the insurance company where it's the law of large numbers. They're not going to have all winners. They're going to have, you know, they're going to have, hopefully, if, if they're doing it right, some people are going to, you know, uh, way outlive their life expectancy. There's going to be other people that, you know, unforeseen circumstances, you know, they get hit by a bus or, you know, something unforeseen and all of a sudden. So if they're buying thousands of these policies, they hope to be somewhere close to where their, uh, you know, desired uh, return is going to be. But by no means are are they always right or or, or always wrong. Um, but it's it's something that if they're doing it correctly, hopefully they're somewhere in the middle. Uh, just like the insurance company, they're they're selling. You know, they don't sell five insurance policies; they sell thousands of them, and that's why they're able to be profitable year after year. Yeah, very good. Okay, we're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Oleg Edelman. He is the Senior Life Settlement Analyst at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc. Uh, they buy uh, life insurance policies. They help people sell their life insurance policies to institutional buyers instead of letting them lapse. You can find out more at his website, fundinglife.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Oleg Edelman. He's the Senior Life Settlement Analyst at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc., which is a company that buys or helps people sell their life insurance policies to institutional investors. Uh, the website for them to find out more is fundinglife.com. Welcome back to the show, Oleg. Thank you, Jordan. So give me a sense of the state of the market today. Uh, are there a lot of buyers out there? What is the kind of competitive balance? Um, the market's actually never been better. We have a lot of very active, very aggressive buyers. Um, our market now has been around for about 25 years or so. So it, it's because of time over time, people are understanding the market better. They're seeing um, a, a, a good investment instrument that's different. It's a non-correlated asset as opposed to, you know, the, if, if the economy like it is now going, you know, in the wrong direction, 
this doesn't affect their investment. If you know we go to war, there there are things that are outside circumstances that are happening in the country that you know are affecting most of their other investment um, investments. This is the non-correlated asset that they're starting to like more and more because all it is is they're buying an insurance policy that they know that the insurance company is going to pay out at the end. So we're starting, you know, we're continuing to see more and more capital go into our market. And the more we see of that, it only drives up the prices for, for these, uh, for these sales. So we've never really seen as an active and aggressive uh, market from these buyers uh, because we keep bringing in more and more buyers and and they, they want to spend their money. And if they're not competitive, they're not able to spend uh, that capital. Um, also, we're seeing the age kind of go down. So like I was saying, even if somebody's in their mid to low 60s and healthy, they still could be a candidate. Um, if they're younger, they could still be younger. Really, any age qualifies. But if they're younger than you know than their 60s, uh, it would depend on, on, on their health. Uh, they would have to be dealing with some health issues, just depending on the severity of those health issues and, you know, uh, to determine if if there would be a, if they'd be a viable candidate. Yeah. Now, in the past, there were people that were selling so-called viaticals to individual investors, um, basically kind of selling a policy and, uh, on their deathbed or having them buy it. That that's not considered a legitimate thing. To, to differentiate what you're talking about from the whole viaticals movement. So our market actually started in, in the viatical movement um, back in, in the in the epidemic where uh, people were buying insurance policies on people that had VNAs. The, the term viatical, really, it, it's still part of our market. It really means somebody that's terminally ill with less than two years of life expectancy. A life settlement if somebody is over two years, as much as 25 or 30 year life expectancy or higher. So it's something that we still have people approach us that are dealing with you know, two years or, or, or under, and it's something that we help them just like anybody else. If they want to, you know, if they don't want to put any more money into their policy, if they want the money now, we're going to help them just like we're going to help, you know, that person that's 65 and, and running marathons. It's something that our job, our fiduciary responsibility to them is to go out into the secondary market and to get as much money as possible for their policy. And then, leave, you know, and the ball's in their court. They don't have to take the offer. They don't have to accept anything. They're not uh, obligated in any way. Like I mentioned before, it's a free non-binding appraisal. So it, it's something that um, the word viatical was, was the reason it got the bad, uh, you know, it, it, wording of, of the whole viatical is because in over time, those people that were dying in three years with HIV and AIDS there's medicine, there's technology, a lot of great things happen in the medical field that help those people live a lot, lot longer. So the people that bought those, you know, investments, assuming a two or three year or, or shorter turnaround were disappointed because the people, you know, medicine technology wasn't that it was, um, you know, anything. So that was the beginning of our market, but then it quickly moved over to a senior uh, to the senior uh, yeah. citizens. So uh, we no longer deal with people with HIV and AIDS. And it's great. You know, they're, they're, you know, with everything that's it's happened, they're, they're able to take medicine and, and go to the doctor and, and, and live, you know, you know, a lot longer. So it's something that our market really has shifted. And, and uh, you know, we're just really dealing with people 60s, 70s, 80s and older for the it's, most part. It's not legal to sell an insurance policy in anticipation of somebody dying within the first two years. And that, there's a two-year el- elimination period. Is that correct? So so when you buy a new insurance policy, there's a two-year contestable and suicide period. So if somebody uh, buys a policy today, we couldn't touch it for two years. And and even if you bought it, um, you know, two years, usually that you can't turn around and sell that policy. Usually there's no value unless there's a pretty serious health change. Um, so somebody that buys an insurance policy today, it's very unlikely or um, that they would be able to turn around and sell it in two or three years uh, unless they, they experience an unforeseen significant health change. 
So it's not something that I would recommend. It's not something, you know, if somebody's had an insurance policy for years and years, um, those are the ones that usually tend to work out better. We could talk about any policy over two years, but uh, if there isn't a health change after two or three or five years, usually uh, there's no value or, or very minimal value, usually less than what they've put in into that policy. How did the COVID pandemic affect the market? I mean, we had over a million people die. Not They were not expecting to die for the most part. How did that affect the whole market? Um, it, I, th- I think it actually slowed down the inventory coming in just because a lot of people, for at least the beginning, were, were more nervous as far as, um, you know, what because you got to realize we're dealing with senior citizens. So I, I think they were a little bit more nervous about, you know, they, they want to hold on to that policy a little bit longer. As the underwriting, it really didn't change the underwriting just because, you know, the amount of people that passed away were such a minute fraction of, of the overall uh, population that it really didn't affect uh, much at all. But if you had, you know, if you had COVID and you had some unforeseen circumstances come out with that, that, that health change might have affected the, the value of your policy. Yeah. So now we have the new one. Monkeypox is the next one. I mean, it seems like we're going to continue to have pandemics. So that might affect people's willingness to sell their policies. Is that correct? Um, every circumstance is different and, and unique. It's something that, you know, we're not trying to talk people into getting rid of something that, yeah, that they potentially need or want or, or you know, like having there. But just like any other valuable asset, at a certain point, you might not need it, want it. Maybe you can't afford it anymore. So in those circumstances, it's something that, um, you know, there's a, a large, highly regulated secondary market that could help bring significant value to the table uh, for those situations. In the roughly two minutes we have left, just kind of summarize why it makes make sense for people with an insurance policy to look into selling it through the life settlement process. Well, uh, if, if you come to that crossroad and you don't need it, want it, uh, this is a no-brainer. It's just to look at it. There's zero downside. It's something that once we go through the process and do a thorough and proper review of your policy, you could see all your various options. You could see maybe whatever cash value you have uh, is the best offer, and, and you can just cash out the policy. But you might be surprised uh, that you might get three, four, five, ten times more than what you were ready to settle for. So it, there's no downside in at least having that process done um, and to see is there more, how much more is there uh, potentially on the table for me before I wind up dropping that policy for the surrender value or for nothing at all. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour, he is the uh, Senior Life Settlement Analyst at Life Insurance Settlements, Inc., You can find out more at his website, fundinglife.com. See if it might make sense for you to sell your policy instead of letting it lapse or getting nothing out of it whatsoever. Thanks so much for being a very interesting guest on the Money Answer Show, Oleg. Thanks Thanks for your time, Jordan. Really appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.